0: G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Series 10 of This Week in Startups Australia. In Series 10... Twista has a singular focus. We're identifying and sharing the story of Australia's world-changing startups. The startups that, when they go from zero to one, really do change the world. And not just the startups, but the founders, the investors. Australia is stepping up with some of our brightest sparks working hard to change the world. So come along the journey as we shine a bright light on another of Australia's world-changing startups. They come from fields as diverse as agriculture, housing, energy, and finance. These startups at scale will truly change the world. Who's next on our list? Find out in this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This week in Startups Australia is sponsored by User Testing. With User Testing, you'll understand it from your customer's perspective. Get real-time feedback, real fast. Put yourself in your customer's shoes. Visit usertesting.com/twista for a free trial. User Testing, real human insight. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by Zendesk. Zendesk helps startups build lasting customer experiences from the ground up with the Zendesk for Startups program. Learn more at Zendesk.com Twista. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by Our Crowd. Our Crowd finds the companies with the greatest growth potential and brings them to you. They believe in their deals and invest in them too. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community at OurCrowd.com Australia. World-changing. It's quite a word. It's a lot to live up to. It means more than one thing. It could be about a great scientific discovery or an amazing technical breakthrough, or it could be a radically new way of doing something. This world-changing startup, it falls into that category because if it works at scale, it will change the way we live. Now, before we take a deep dive into this world-changing business, let's review the four metrics of world-changing startups. Metric one, it is an idea that actually makes the world better. Metric two, it's within the realm of scientific and technical achievability. Metric three, it's economically rational. That means there's a business model. And metric four, there's manageable execution risk. That is the filter through which we will be viewing all of our world-changing startups. Now, the fourth of these is block earner. It's fintech, but not fintech as we've known it. It's part of the new and exciting and possibly a bit terrifying world of decentralized finance and. We need to begin with an explanation of just exactly what decentralized finance is. So we asked Jordan Mumtazi, he's co-founder and head of strategy at Block to ease us in with an explanation.
1: So decentralized finance essentially automates a lot of the functions and processes that occur in traditional finance. You know, bank usually takes uh, deposits um, and lends out those deposits at 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 a markup. Um, and depending on the use case of uh, of of the borrower uh, and the risk profile, you know those the interest rate will be um, be quite varied. Um, and Compound is a similar process in that um, you know you as a as, as a lender essentially lends your uh, your in this case cryptocurrency into a contract, um, and what that means is that a contract is um, logic that kind of or business logic that holds. Um, uh, all of the functions inside uh, a, a kind of a, in this case an ethereum based smart contract. Um, and that contract is and rules uh, all the governance or governs I should say the rules of the system. Um, so if you're a, uh, if you're a lender you know that if you lend your uh, let's say stable coins into a pool um, this contract will hold those stable coins. Um, and it'll be essentially aggregated as a, a you'll be just one of many, many lenders that uh, end up lending into this pool. Uh, and then on the other side, um, you have a bunch of uh, borrowers. And those borrowers um, are not necessarily lending from uh, or borrowing from you as an individual. Um, they're not borrowing from you um, in sort of a one-to-one counterparty scenario. They're just borrowing from the pool. Um, so your capital goes into a pool just like everyone else's. Um, and those uh, those borrowers essentially uh, uh, sort of tap into this smart contract, which I previously mentioned, um, and based on the rules of that smart contract, um, can borrow X amounts. Um, interest is at X amounts, uh, and so the kind of the rules around uh, what someone can and can't do on both sides. Uh, are automated and um, and the rules are set up front um, so that everyone knows how they're participating
0: decentralized finance is an entirely different way of thinking about banking rather than a bank being that entity over there holding these assets and investing them for depositors well the depositors are effectively all partial owners of something that acts like a bank without actually being a coherent entity like a bank which it's a bit hard to get your head around. Decentralized finance or DeFi is making people question whether they really need banks at all. And that's a question we will ask toward the end. But why DeFi? Efficiency and speed. Here's Jordan again.
1: The main benefit is that a lot of the processes and risk analysis and just core admin functions of approvals and, and things like that are already uh, predefined in a smart contracts uh, upfront and so you can imagine the efficiency um, that that creates um, you can imagine the um, the the efficiency not only in terms of resources to to enable a single transaction to occur but the actual speed at which something can uh, can happen as well
0: speed is great but speed is pointless if it's too hard to use and In most situations today, DeFi can only be used by experts who have a deep understanding of how to use these weird new financial instruments, these things known as smart contracts. If you get it wrong, you can lose your money. If you get it really wrong, you'll lose someone else's money. Nothing about DeFi right now is geared to the average person, unlike a bank, which makes it really easy to deposit and withdraw funds or get a loan and all of those things. So how did BlockEarner meet that challenge? How does BlockEarner function like a bank? Here's Jordan again, diving into the details of this bank that isn't actually a bank.
1: So you, you deposit AUD, we convert the AUD into, uh, into a US dollar stablecoin. That US dollar stablecoin has a number of um, pools uh, in, in crypto that um, basically earn yields. Um, and so that yield is really comes from a combination of different places and, and activities and, and sources. Um, I mentioned before this concept of, of borrowing and lending. So that's a, a like a, a quite an easy way of understanding how you could potentially earn um, yield off off capital um, in a global pool. Um, there are other ways that, uh, that yield is generated uh, even in those. I mean, it's really just an aggregation of all the economic activity inside crypto. So you've got um, uh, you know, uh, yield that's generated from securing um, the networks of these various uh, either chains or, or dApps. Um, and then you've got uh, you know, borrow-lend functions as well. So in the variable uh, context, uh, we choose RV and Compound. So that USDC is then deposited into one of these pools. Um, And then that pool um, algorithmically calculates your yields um, in each block. So literally um, every, you know, call it 15 seconds um, based on the utilization of the capital in that pool, which you are a part of. Um, your yields will be calculated uh, uh, automatically and um, and and essentially credited so your um, your balance uh, will, will go up very 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 quickly and very kind of instantaneously because um, you're you're actually you know earning yields um, every single block that your capital is inside the pool um, so that's on the on the variable side. Um, on the fixed side, we we have a couple of counterparties that we work with. Um, they essentially so we we essentially again take the um, the USDC. If you choose a fixed return, at the moment our fixed return is seven percent. Um, that goes to basically a, a number of groups that we work with that essentially give us. Yields that sort of utilize the assets um, across crypto. Um, so that will be a combination of using some of these um, algorithmic pools. Um, there might be some, um, some arbitrage opportunities based on the inefficiency of crypto. Um, there'll be a number of, of things that those counterparties, basically professional um, market makers um, slash traders slash uh, yield generators Will be doing on their side in order to generate um, a higher return than, say, you know, a two to three percent, which is, is kind of where where we're at in the, on the variable side at the moment, um, even lower for USDC, um, and uh, we then sort of pass on the uh, that seven percent guaranteed onto onto the user. Um, so that's kind of the difference between the variable option and the fixed option. As it stands today, we have plans to add um, not only additional assets, um, but additional kind of uh, potentially additional options as well down the track.
0: Going even just a little way down the rabbit hole of DeFi with Jordan shows us that there is a lot going on here, a lot that's possible, more in fact than any startup could reasonably hope to do at once. But we've established that there's a world changing need to radically rethink how banking works and to decentralize hopefully democratize the business of banking. So that's a big tick. The how of that, that's now down to the right sorts of smart contracts with the right sorts of yields paired with the right sorts of customer interfaces. And yes, this is technically achievable. There's another tick there. But if there's no bank here, how does block earner earn a profit? We'll take a look at that when we return. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. Startups Australia Experience what your customer experiences with user testing. Whether you're launching a new product, prototype, or marketing campaign, you'll get video feedback straight from the people you want to reach most. The user testing human insight platform lets you understand it all from their perspective, and it allows you to target your exact audience, ask any question or request to perform tasks, and most valuably, get a window into their world. Unlike focus groups, which can take weeks or even months to deliver results with user testing, you get to see real reactions and hear real opinions really fast, in real time, at the speed business demands. Very quickly, you get insights into what's working and what's not. So you can adjust your message, refine your UI, and understand exactly how people are responding to and interacting with your product, service, or brand. The result? You feel what your customer feels, so you can build the best experience imaginable. For a free trial, visit usertesting.com slash twista. User testing, real human insight. Welcome back to This Week in Startups Australia. We're doing a deep dive into our fourth world-changing startup, block earner. Now, how does a bank that's not properly a bank at all, which doesn't take deposits or hold assets in itself, and those are the ways that banks make money, how does block earner actually earn revenue? Because if that part's not worked out, the rest of this is weird and future-facing and interesting as it is, it doesn't matter because it's not going to work. So what's the economically rational basis for doing this? How does block earner earn profits?
1: So BlockEarner makes money in two core ways at the moment. One is the exchange between AUD and USDC um, is an exchange that um, even for us costs money. So someone needs to basically um, be a counterparty for the AUD. Um, So we make a small spread on all of the transactions that are coming into our network and out of the network. So AUD into USDC and then USDC back into AUD when uh, when appropriate. So we make a small spread there. Um, on the Aave and Compound side, they actually incentivize um, both deposits and uh, so both lending and borrowing via their own native tokens as well as an additional kind of incentive. Um, sort of a, a version of yield farming, and so uh, we also take, uh, and, that, and that's you know relatively small, but um, depending on the value of the native token, that does uh, bounce around a little bit in terms of what the, um, the accrued value could be. But essentially, we take the incentive that they provide uh, as being kind of the aggregated counterparty as well. So we um, we make. Uh, money on both those uh, in both those areas. So on the native token side, and then on the on the spread on the uh, in and out transactions. There's a number of people in our business that have various opinions about um, just the core idea of of when to focus on on uh, profit and when to focus on on growth. Um, my my personal belief is that we shouldn't be spending a lot of time at this stage thinking about the different surface area for you know generating. Um, money-making activities um so yes there are there are conversations about where we could improve um the roi of of the capital for ourselves as well Um, but for us uh the focus at the moment is on growth Um, the focus is on delivering as much value to the customer as we can um, in a way that you know we we just we just really really focused on um acquiring users keeping them happy and showing them you know the the benefits of being sort of in this via us being in this ecosystem um and so we haven't spent a lot of time thinking about you know uh how do we how do we make more money um but it's definitely uh something that will happen
0: so there is a, a fairly narrow path to profits for block today As they learn more about the business that they're in, that path could grow wider. But right now, no one really knows very much about DeFi. So the fact that they can run the business on what they're making in effectively what is foreign exchange fees, that's a beginning. But it's just barely a beginning. And that gives them, okay, a small tick for economic rationality. But it is a tick. Okay, so what about execution risk? We'll hear about that and the crypto winter that we're in. When we return, you're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. The fastest growing companies have great products and great customer service. You build the great product and Zendesk will help you build great customer experiences that make your customers come back. Just like Jason Calacanis, Jason has a very public obsession with amazing customer service. And he relies on Zendesk for his launch syndicate. Jason's limited partners use Zendesk to reach out to him about each of his deals. And Zendesk also handles inbound inquiries from startups looking for investors. Zendesk helps Jason provide the kind of customer service he demands. Apply for the Zendesk for Startups program to get their industry-leading customer service software free for six months. You'll also get access to Zendesk's community of startup founders and partners, plus dedicated onboarding guidance and support. Zendesk has everything you need to deliver the amazing customer experiences that will make your product a success. To learn more about Zendesk for startups, visit zendesk.com twista. Welcome back to This Week in Startups Australia. We've identified the fourth of our world-changing startups, BlockEarner. Now, the whole world of cryptocurrencies and decentralized finance, it's new, new-ish anyway. It is largely unregulated, and it's a bit of a cross between a roller coaster and a train wreck. So it's entirely fair to ask Earner co-founder Jordan Mumtazi about execution risk. It's an answer in two halves. The first is about the risks to the business itself and here's Jordan so one
1: area is that we, we are we're working in a regulated environment in Australia and you know even for those listeners who don't know a lot about the space um, you know most people understand that that it's uh, you know either considered the Wild West or either considered uh, crazy town uh, and one of the reasons is that they're the rules around what you can and can't do haven't been very well defined um, as a business or as an individual. Um, and so we have regulatory risk. Um, we have regulatory risk around where does, um, you know, the, the the major kind of governments around the world, including Australia, where do they land in terms of what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, you know, what becomes legal versus illegal. Um, and so, uh, you know, up until this point, it's been, pretty vague, um, although it is getting much better, as you know, Um, so we're getting more certainty around um, where the Australian government will end up landing uh, on some of the key questions around, particularly around decentralized finance, because it is sort of just this new paradigm. Um, So regulatory risk is certainly always on the horizon, um, although I would argue uh, it seems like we're going in the right direction there.
0: Because DeFi is the Wild West, because there is so little regulatory guidance on offer, because there are no guardrails, Blockrunner has to be concerned about simply being legislated out of existence. It could happen. It's happened to other similar sorts of firms in other nations. Now, in the absence of a clear, stable, regulatory environment, it remains the biggest execution risk for block But for all that, it's actually manageable because Australia hasn't yet taken any extraordinary steps to regulate decentralized finance. And as long as block plays by the rules, it should be able to operate. But operate within what kind of environment? 2022 has seen the onset of a real crypto winter, where prices for some coins dropped to nearly zero. That led to a series of margin calls that have produced a rolling wave of destruction and liquidations. How does a startup manage its execution risk in the middle of that sort of tempest? This was the final question we put to Jordan.
1: So from the beginning, uh, we've always focused on being quite conservative. Um, in, in the choices that we've made on who we partner with, uh, the choice of using USDC, USDC has never been the highest yielding stablecoin ever. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we chose USDC because it's as close to being fully regulated as you can get for a stablecoin. Um, you know, it's essentially issued by um, a consortium of Coinbase and Circle uh, and a number of other groups in the U.S., all of their financials are audited. Um, you know, all of the um, uh, all of the collateral is essentially either dollars or you know treasury bills or something similar to, to dollars. Um, and so it's all fully backed. Um, it can can always be redeemable for a dollar. Um, there there is no kind of smoke and mirrors in terms of um, uh, the ratio of dollars to to issued issued uh, stable coins. So. We've been very conservative on purpose. Um, You know, Blockerner is, we're designed to be for the masses, right? So, which means that we need to be conservative on other people's behalf because, as you say, most people don't know what's going on. So, we need to be a filter uh, and we've always seen ourselves as um, uh, a group that needs to be conservative in order to maximize for capital preservation first. Um, rather than going for, uh, you know, crazy yield numbers and, 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 and trying to lure people through what is, you know, in terms of risk, you know, very
0: much up the, the risk curve. So at the end of the day, you actually do need to project the same image of stability and security that a bank does.
1: Absolutely. We're dealing with people in the end, right? We're dealing with people and customers and um And you know, we're regardless of the tech stack, we're all humans, and we all look for the same things, right? We don't want to lose money by trying to uh, to risk it in in a silly way. And so, um, you know, we uh, you know, as as humans, we're looking to make uh, good decisions, uh, hopefully, um, and uh, and we're here to try to help people make those good decisions. We see see ourselves as a conduit for that.
0: You can't get away from banking. Even if you do it very differently, you are still asking people to trust you with their money. And to do that, you have to project an image of stability and trustworthiness. Whether it's banking or decentralized finance, that part doesn't matter. So the execution risks are balanced out by having an open and trustworthy approach, the block earner approach. So that's a big final tick. For an entirely new way of banking, one that when it achieves scale will truly be world changing. And that's why Block Earner is our fourth world changing startup. We'll be right back. <music> As rising interest rates, inflation, and global complexity throw the stock market into turmoil, savvy investors are turning to alternative investments. Our crowd makes it easy for you to diversify your investments into a variety of expertly vetted, high-growth private companies across stages, geography, and industries like biotech, cybersecurity, and renewable energy. Investments like these used to be reserved for elite institutional investors, but our crowd Has helped sophisticated investors from over 90 countries across the globe invest in growing tech companies. Every month, our crowd vets hundreds of companies across the globe, then brings you a select few identified for their outsized growth potential. Our crowd backs these investments. They commit their own capital and they leverage their relationships with multinational corporations and global investment leaders to help drive their portfolio companies growth discover investment opportunities beyond the stock market join the fastest growing venture capital investment community in the world at ourcrowd.com/australia that's ourcrowd.com/australia individual results may vary there's no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results invest wisely Big thanks to Twista sponsors User Testing, Zendesk, and Our Crowd. Thanks to Jordan Momtazi for coming onto our show. This show was written and produced by Mark Pesci and beautifully mixed by Luke Station. Come visit our website at This Week in It's got everything it's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, and all the links to all the stories. So check it out at This Week in Next time, we'll have another of our news specials. And this time, we'll take a look at the post-election landscape in Australia, one that is very different from just a few months ago, and learn what it might mean for startups. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening.